Who are you? Like, seriously, who are you? And no, not the person you pretend to be on social media. Not the person you are around your friends. Not even the person you are when you go home for the holidays. Answer the question. Who are you? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Relatively Normal. I am your host, Mark Paisant, and thanks again for being here. I appreciate it. We're getting close to the end of the season, and I think it's been a really good season. Um, We've done a lot, talked about a lot, but I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your true self. I want to talk about the actual person you are. And again, I am not talking about the person you pretend to be on social media, the person who has the perfect life, the person who vacations all the time, the person who takes the picture of their feet in the sand, hashtag living your best life. No, 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 no. And I don't want to talk about that person you pretend to be when you go home to your ultra-liberal, ultra-conservative parents. No, don't want to talk about that person either. And the person I definitely don't want to talk about is the person that you are in the club, in the bar with your friends, and you're trying to impress people. No, I do not want to talk about that person. I want to talk about your true self. Now, if you've been in therapy or in counseling sessions or any self-help, you'll hear that hear that term brought up a lot. Find your true self. Who are you? And to a lot of people, they might think the answer is pretty easy. I know who my true self is. I can answer that question. But for a lot of us, the answer is not simple. I know for me it's not. For the longest time, I thought I was somebody who I really wasn't. And to maintain that, I spent money I didn't have. I hung out with groups of friends who weren't good for me. And I tried to make people think that I was different than I really was. So, again, I ask, who are you? You know, a lot of us are introverts or introverted. And a lot of us like to keep to ourselves. A lot of us like to stay on the the down low. A lot of us like to keep to ourselves, but then once we get around people who want to open us up, who want to bring us out of our shell, quote unquote, we sometimes give in to peer pressure, 
We sometimes want to conform to social norms and we stop being our true self. There's a lot of things that we can look for or use to help us into self-discovery, to help us into learning who our true selves are. A huge way we can do this is just to listen. And you ask, listen to what? Listen to whom? What do we listen to? For a moment in time, for just a quick moment, I want you to think about this. And the next time someone compliments you, I want you to listen to that compliment. Are they complimenting you? Or are they complimenting the person they think you are? Because there's a big difference. And I think the easiest way to see this, and this has happened, this happens a lot. And I really don't drink that much. I don't drink that much anymore, but I know people do. Whenever someone tells you, if they do, oh, I like you so much better when you're drunk, that should be a red flag for a couple of reasons. But for one, that person is telling you that I really don't like you sober. You're much more fun. You're cool. You're, you're better to hang out with when you're drunk. I'm going to say it, and many people might not like this, but that person might not be a great friend. But when you're in your normal state, listen to the compliments and absorb them. Because a lot of the time, the true compliments will dismiss them and brush them off. Now, it's true that some people might manipulate you through, through compliments, but if you have a core group of people that you hang out with that you consider good friends, if you have counterparts at work which you trust, if you have a boss at work which you like, listen to their compliments. In the past two weeks, I've had a review at work and I've had a, a team meeting for the, for the team I manage. And in both of those instances, I received a ton of compliments. I'm not bragging. I don't do it to brag. It's very, compliments make me uncomfortable. Uh, you know, in my brain, I'm just waiting for someone to tell me that I messed up. And then I'll listen to that. But I work hard. I take care of the people I work with. And I want people to succeed. And I was receiving a bunch of compliments on the last meeting I had out of nowhere one of the people that I work with basically stated that he had a phone conversation with me that he had on speaker and his wife was able to hear it and after the conversation she was just so jealous of the type of management style I had and this person for about 30 seconds to a minute just started complimenting me and I can't tell you how uncomfortable I felt I just it's just it's just me but in thinking about it there was nothing different I did with this relationship I was just being my true self I 
I, I was putting my trust in people who work with me, who work for me. I was letting people be their own person. I wasn't telling people exactly what to do. I was putting my trust in them. And that's what I do. So I had to go back and actually think about the compliments I received and try to absorb them. You know, another thing we can do to find our true self is really become friends with our mistakes. See, learning to be yourself is easier when you develop a growth mindset. The ability to see a hard problem as a challenge rather than a stress. A lot of times we try to be perfect. We try to do things in a perfect way. And we hold ourselves to these unattainable expectations. But that's not who we truly are. We are our mistakes, correct? Well, not necessarily. We can learn from them. But what we should do, well, what we can do, I should say, is recognize that our mistakes could lead to a potential learning experience. And we can always figure out what we could do the next time, how we could handle the next time. We can always learn from them. We can become friends with them. They don't need to be us, but they can be a part of us. And a big one, that I have just started myself is keep a journal or take time to reflect. So at work, we started this 21-day challenge. Three weeks in a row doing something each day, but you had to do it each day. Mine was I wanted to write for at least 15 minutes a day. I didn't tell myself what to write. I just wanted to write for 15 minutes. I'll be honest with you guys, for the past few weeks, I was in a pretty bad headspace. I just think, I I can't explain it, but things were just on my mind. I was anxious constantly. I was in and out of depression. I just didn't know what to do. So I started this 21-day challenge and just started writing 15 minutes a day. Not going to lie, the first day, two days, three days were pretty tough. But once I got past them, I look forward to writing. It's almost like my own personal therapy that I can do with just me and the computer. And there's nothing specific that I write about. Sometimes I write about my feelings. Sometimes I write about my thoughts. Sometimes I write about ideas that I have. But it turns out to be something like two to three paragraphs a day. I put on a timer for 15 minutes and I don't stop writing until the timer goes off. It is one of the best exercises I've done in a long time. And for the longest time, I told myself to start writing. But for some reason in my head, I thought it was too hard. Do I have the time? Like, think about it. 15 minutes a day changed my attitude, changed my temperament, changed my outlook. So, that's just something you might want to try. But there's two other things that I want you to try to do to find your true self. One thing is practice assertiveness. 
be yourself, but show yourself. Don't back down because people want you to be something different. Don't back down because people want you to be who they want you to be. If someone speaks to you in a certain way because they think you're this rough, rigid person and you're really not, be assertive and tell them you don't like when they speak to you that way. If someone tries to pressure you into drinking or doing drugs or doing something that you don't feel comfortable doing because that's not your true self, be assertive. If that person continues to do those things, then the second part of that is surround yourself with good people who accept you and foster your growth. It does you no good to be around people who don't accept you. Now, there's an opposite part to this. Like, If you're a sociopath or you're a psychopath, then you probably need some people who are going to change you. But you should surround yourself with people who want to see you be your true self. Some friends and relatives help you become your true self, your best self, while others just want you for themselves. They just want you to be the person they want you to be. Life is way too short to be someone you're not. Believe me, it really is. A few years ago, I had a group of friends or people that I thought were my friends that just dragged me down, who just enabled my bad habits. And I remember one day just coming home and thinking, this can't continue. This isn't me. This isn't who I want to be. And I don't know if it was mean or not. I don't know if it was the right thing to do at the time. But I seriously cut those people off. And to be honest with you, I've never looked back. Okay, so we've talked about being your true self. But I wanted to move on a little bit. And of course, being our true self is focusing on our true emotions, our true thoughts. Making sure they don't force you in a way of thinking. Make sure your thoughts and feelings don't control you, but they're more a part of you than anything else. In the last episode... I spoke a lot about how I was feeling lately, about the things I was going through, how I just didn't feel like myself. Basically, I couldn't put my finger on it. You know, I have gone to sleep with so many emotions. I have woken up in the morning just dreading the day. And I haven't, you know, in the past, I've been able to find my trigger. I haven't been able to do it. And again, like I mentioned before, there's so many things going on in this world. People are losing loved ones. People are losing housing. People are losing jobs. I understand this is 
A rough patch for us all. So, what is this feeling that we're feeling? After I posted that podcast episode, I had a good friend send me an article. And it was spot on. It's in the Harvard Business Review. And it's titled, That Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. It's written by Scott Berenato, B-E-R-I-N-A-T-O, and I'll put a link in the show notes. And he writes on grief and the stages of grief and emotional intelligence. But the one part that really hit me, because it ties right in to anxiety, is anticipatory grief. The grief you feel about stuff that may happen in the future. This is perfect for me because this is exactly what I'm feeling. I don't know what tomorrow holds. My kids start school this week. Kids across the nation are starting school. Parents are having to make tough decisions on whether to send their kid into school or let them go to school virtually. Teachers have to make decisions on how they teach their classes. Schools have to make decisions on how to keep kids safe. There's so many things that we just don't know. And we don't know how to anticipate it. We don't know what to anticipate. A great point he mentions is those first few days and weeks after 9-11. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know how, you know, flying would be affected. We didn't know how we'd rebuild. We didn't know what we would do with global terrorism. We just wanted answers. We wanted to understand. We wanted to know what the next day would bring us. And there's certain things each generation have that gives them this anticipatory grief. Our mind goes into the future and imagines the worst, just the worst thing that could happen. Right now, we imagine a loved one catching the coronavirus. We imagine that loved one having to go on a ventilator. We imagine that loved one dying because of this. This hits home because my in-laws are older. My dad is older. My mother-in-law has pre-existing conditions. She's had pneumonia in the past. She hasn't seen her kids in six months, her grandkids in six months. We're afraid to take them to her. We are afraid to go visit just because we don't want to be the reason that she catches this ultra, ultra contagious virus. What our mind does or what mind does is it just shows me the worst of the worst. And on top of all that, it tells me there's nothing I can do. It's just, it's just going to be bad. It's just going to be really bad. So what he talks about in this article, what Scott talks about in his article is finding the balance 
in the things that we're thinking. He says, if you feel the worst image taking shape, make yourself think of the best image. We all get a little sick and the world continues. Not everyone I love dies. Maybe, maybe no one does because we're all taking the right steps. Neither scenario should be ignored, but neither should dominate either. That's the toughest thing for me, is finding that balance. Because my brain races to the worst case scenario all the time. And it stays there for, for days on end. And one thing I've talked about is where we live our life. You know, we really can't live in the past. It's already happened. We really shouldn't live in the future because we don't know what this future is going to bring us. We have to center ourselves and come back into the present. And I've talked about things we can do or things I have done in the past to help me with the present. And one thing that I'm doing right now is what I've already mentioned is my writing. 15 15 minutes a day. That's all it takes for me. Maybe for you it's only five minutes. They make these great notebooks. That's just a five-minute journal, which you talk about your day and what you plan on accomplishing the next day. But it gets you to stay in the moment. And other things that I've done, other things people have done, is meditation and mindful thinking. You'll be surprised how well these things work, but in all honesty, I'll, I'll talk specifically about meditation. It can be tough for some people. And I'll explain how meditation can be tough because meditation really forces you to stay in the present. It really forces you to think about your life right now. Your brain will race to everything else. Your brain will race to that project you have to work on. Your brain will race to that meeting that you have in 30 minutes. Your brain will, will race to that time you messed up 10 years ago. And some reason your brain brings that up. It's really weird, but it happens. But these things work. Breathing exercises. So what you can do is simplify everything. There is no bad time to meditate or write during the day. There's no bad time to put 5 to 20 minutes aside for yourself. But what I think is that you shouldn't wait to the end of the day. A lot of people can meditate, you know, right before bed. I don't like to do that, and I'll tell you why. And this is the same reason why I don't like to run at the end of my day. It's because as the day goes on, things may pop up, things may happen. You may get tired, you may get full because you overate. You may somehow talk yourself out of doing whatever you're going to do for yourself. You have one of two decisions to make. You're either scheduling your day around your meditation or around your writing or around your exercise, 
or you're scheduling those things around your day. And there's a big difference. So what I like to do is I like to schedule my day around what I do for myself. I do two things for myself right now, and that's exercise and that's right. And I make sure that I do both of those things and then the rest of the day wraps around it. Because I know if I do the opposite, if I do the rest of my day and then try to make time for myself, nine times out of 10, I won't take care of myself. I'll make excuses. Well, today was a hard day and, you know, I'll get to it tomorrow, but, or it's probably not that important that I do it today. Let me tell you right now, you are important. In the first part of this podcast, we talked about be assertive. That doesn't just mean with your friends or with your coworkers or with your counterparts. That means be assertive with yourself, with your mental health, with your physical health. Be assertive. Make time for yourself. Know that what you're feeling is grief. You need to cope with grief. Everyone needs to cope with grief. We're all feeling some sort of grief right now. We have college athletes that are being told they might not play their fall sports. Kids who've worked their entire life to be able to play college sports. Because remember, most of these kids in college, this is their last chance to play sports. They don't get drafted. They don't go play professionally. They're going to have a 9-to-5 job or they're going to have something outside of sports. This is their life right now. And because of no fault of their own, they're being told that they might not play sports this fall. What you're feeling, what I'm feeling, is grief. It's okay. Feel grief. Work through grief. It can be overwhelming. It can be tough. Accept it. Know this, 9-11 changed things permanently in our lives. It changed the way we fly. It changed the way we travel. For some of us, us, it changed the way we do day-to-day operations. This is going to change us too. There's going to be some permanent changes. We should accept that. But a lot of this will be temporary. We've been through pandemics before. We've been through recessions before. It feels very cold to say that. It feels very just callous and mean to tell somebody this is temporary, we'll get through it. But we will. Surround yourself with people who want to see you grow. We're tying everything together. To be your true self is to understand your true feelings. Don't push these under the rug. Don't say how I'm feeling is not true. Don't try to talk yourself out of feeling sad or out of feeling grief. Know that right now you need more time for yourself. There's going to be people who walk through life right now and they're not going to be affected. 
are they're going to pretend to not be effective. They're going to wonder why you're effective. They're going to wonder why you can't be the same happy, cheerful person that you were before this all started. I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what you think, what you're feeling, and how you're coping with it. If you feel sad, say you feel sad. Write it down, I feel sad. But don't stop there. Please don't stop there. Write down other emotions and write down what you want to do to cope. Write down that you want to go on a walk. Write down that you want to reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a while. Write down that you want to talk to your boss, talk to your team, talk to coworkers, and explain to them why your productivity is down. Write down what you think you need to start to get out of this fog, to start to help your anxiety, to start to help your depression. Write those things down. Sometimes when you just can't do it that day, you can't do it. A lot of jobs have, you know, employee assistant programs or EAPs. Reach out. Reach out to that friend that you always reach out to in times of need. Be a friend to those people who need you in a time of need. Don't just think this is going to go away and everything is going to be great tomorrow. You have to put in the work. I have to put in the work. Don't see yourself as a victim. You can if you feel that's right, but see yourself as an advocate to yourself and to others. Read self-help books. Go to blogs that help with, with your emotional intelligence. Be proactive. That's what I'm saying. I really want to help you. I really want to help myself. If you have to cry, ball your eyes out, get a punching bag, punch it, yell into your pillow, vent to somebody. There are so many things that we can do to not only help each other, but to help ourselves. Don't fight your feelings. Your body is producing those feelings. Work with it. Cope through it. And know that grief is just temporary. And there's ways you can get out of it. So again, great article written by Scott Baronado. That discomfort you're feeling is grief in the Harvard Business Review. I'll put a link in the show notes. And that felt really good, man. That episode felt really good. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I helped you. I helped myself. Please share this with your friends who need it, with your coworkers that need it. And as always, take care of yourselves. And I'll talk to you later.
Relatively Normal is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Paisan. And as always, if you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.